Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. <laughs> Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like, I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> the worst get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing, spectacular web of episode of Fan Holes Podcast Comics. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And I am joined tonight by, count them, three, three of my fellow Fan Holes. Why don't you guys give a shout out? And let everybody know who's here tonight. Go, Web, go. It's Mike. Crazy Town Banana Pants. It's Justin. Hey, guys. This is Tony. I learned this week that with great power comes great cock-blocking ability. Nice. All right. So we are here tonight because we are going to discuss, if you haven't figured it out, some very friendly neighborhood Spider-Man books. And probably around the time you're listening to this, this should drop right around the time that... Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is going to be released by Sony Pictures. So this is kind of an unofficial tie-in, but we figured this would give us an opportunity to talk about some fun Spider-Man comic books coming off the spinner racks for us when we were kids. And so we all picked a different Spider-Man book, and I'm, I'm trying to trump Tony, even though he's the oldest, eldest fan hole. I'm, I'm trying to trump him by picking an older comic, and... This is technically, I guess, this is the, the one I picked is Marvel Team-Up, issue 125. And it had a cover date of January 1983, but because of all the timey-wimey shenanigans with comic books, the on-sale date was actually October 19th, 1982, which, it's funny, like, that makes me think, like, I wonder if I got these comics as a birthday present or something, because my birthday is the 12th. So I'm like, I wonder if that was part of the reason why I had these. And then this is a comic that's old enough that like, I, I wasn't really collecting comics per se. Like these are kind of like, like I barely remember them childhood nascent. Like here's a comic book kid, like read this, you know, type thing. Like, and, and so this was what I remember. I think this and like GI Joe six, I probably got around the same time. And I probably like ended up, I don't know, destroying them or doing weird things with them or, you know, not like treating them like comic books or whatever. But the uh, cover basically is uh, Spider-Man and he's teaming up with Tigra. There is this backup story with Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch. And you can see the cover is actually by John Romita Jr. So it's some kind of classic penciled Marvel goodness. And Tigra and Spider-Man are leaping out 
from the cover at you. And then sort of towards the bottom, you can see Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch doing like their hexes and spells and all that kind of stuff. And if you've listened to, to any of our various shows, I've probably mentioned that I, I don't know if this comic scarred me or anything, but like I was I was probably like five years old when I read this, and I probably on it because of Spider-Man. Like maybe I was watching like, you know, the sixty-seven Spider-Man in syndication or Spider-Man and his amazing friends. So Spider-Man probably looked nice and familiar, but like Tiger was kind of, like, scary to me. Like, she was kind of like this cat wear lady. Like, she didn't, you know, she's in a bikini, but she had these bones hanging off of her, like, bikini. And, like, I don't know, it probably, like, freaked me out and everything. So, and, and of course, you know, meanwhile, Wanda's catching, uh, casting, like, witch spells and stuff like that. So I was probably, I was probably scared of that, too. But anyway, the title of the Spider-Man half of the story, which is what we're going to be talking about, is called Yesterday and Today. And the writer is J.M. DiMatteis. The penciler is Carrie Gamble. The inker is Mike Esposito. And I'll just go into a hopefully quick synopsis of that part of the story. Running late for an important date, the former Avenger, known as Tigra, is leaping around the city. Along the way, she comes across a police officer trying to confront a bunch of men for public intoxication. Not too happy with having their drunken shenanigans interrupted, they pull a crowbar on the officer. Tigra takes that as her cue to intervene and leaps onto one of the assailants. With Tigra's tiny assist, the officer, Carl Kronsky, is able to stop another of the drunken crew, and then the other guys run off. Tigra then gives Kronsky a big smooch and tells him to take her out to dinner before going on her merry way. Tigra finally arrives at her destination, an advertising shoot for Quickie Burgers. The man behind the campaign, Mr. Bicky, is upset that she is late. It is then that she learns that she's actually going to be sharing the limelight with your friendly neighbor, Spider-Man. When she demands to know why the wall crawler has also been hired for the job, Bickley explains that, hey, Spider-Man is well more known than you are as a former Avenger, and he's going to help boost sales. Ultimately, it becomes a moot point because after hearing Bickley's pitch, Spider-Man decides to quit out of embarrassment. As he web-slings away, Spider-Man thinks about how he could have used the money, especially to help out Aunt May's new boarding house. However, the web-spinner can't bring himself to become a poster boy for a fast food franchise. Spider-Man also can't help but think about what a knockout Tigra is. Later, after Tigra has finished her shoot for the day, she heads back out the window and then runs into Spider-Man. He came back to ask her out on a date, but she turns him down, explaining that she already has dinner plans, and then leaps away. Spider-Man self-analyzes himself, comes to the conclusion that his attraction to Tigra must be tied to the recent loss of the Black Cat. Suddenly, the wall crawler's spider sense begins going off pointing him to the presence of a massive character wearing a trench coat and hat. Spider-Man decides to heed his spider-sense and follow the suspicious character. Meanwhile, Tigra has arrived outside of Karl Kronsky's precinct and begins to think that her interest in Kronsky is because he reminds her of her late husband, Bill Nelson. When Kronsky leaves the police station, he is joined arm-in-arm by Tigra on the way to an Italian restaurant for dinner. Their meal then is interrupted by that bruiser that Spider-Man had spotted earlier, who smashes their table. Caught off guard, Tigra is surprised to discover that her attacker is her old foe, Zabo. 
This is a shock because, as far as she knew, Sabo was already dead. She recounts how she fought him when she first became the cat, and he seemingly perished when Zabo was knocked into some machines and electrocuted. Zabo explains the spirit of his master, Mal Donalbane, could not rest until Zabo came back from the dead and destroy her. That's when Spider-Man shows up to lend a hand. His surprise attack allows Tigra to run outside, but Zabo quickly follows after her. Then Spidey and Kronsky also follow Zabo. She tries to explain to Zabo that she didn't kill Donald Bane, that he took his own life. Her battle with Zabo is prolonged thanks to the interference of Spider-Man and Kronsky, who are trying to help but only end up webbing Tigra to the wall. Their battle then sends them crashing into a Quickie Burger location. Tigra still tries to reason with Zabo, telling him to forget Mal. However, Zabo screams that Donald Bane was his brother! Secret brother. That's when Spider-Man and Kronsky arrive on the scene with a bunch of police officers in tow. Realizing how much pain Zabo is in, Tiger tries to convince them not to attack the confused brute. She gets through to Spider-Man, who webs up the officers so that Tiger can continue to appeal to Zabo's humanity. She gives Zabo the opportunity to kill her now, or believe in her version of the events and start a new life. Zabo sheds a single tear, stops his killing blow, and storms off through the Quickie Burger wall. With the battle over, Tigra explains everything to Krunsky, who agrees to clear up the current mess. They are soon joined by Mr. Bickley, who is furious that Tigra trashed a Quickie Burger and fires her on the spot. Tigra could care less, because she's got that mad Avengers cash, I guess, and leaps away. This leads to more ranting from the advertiser, prompting Spider-Man to web his mouth shut before leaping away. The end. So, yeah, this is this is something that I read as a young child, and Tigra freaked me out. Like, weird were-ladies randomly, like, planning smooches on cops, and, like, trying to, like, sell burgers. But, like, I don't know. It's like, this is penciled by, like, Carrie Gamble, but, like, that one panel on, like, I think it's, like, page five in the listing there, where they they show her shoot for the day, like, it kind of reminds me a lot of, like, a Gene Colan drawing, but it's, like, it's kind of scary, because she's got, like, you know, the, the, the kind of fang teeth and everything, it's kind of like, eat this burger, but I was, like, kind of scared of Tiger, I guess, because I was, like, only five, so, like, <laughs> well, I don't know, she was kind of scary, so, anyway, I was scared of Tigra. And she freaked me out. And then she goes on a date with this guy and everything. But the art is kind of traditional, like, uh, what I kind of think of as, I guess, like, I've seen Carrie Gamble, like, do a lot of different art over the years. But, like, I I feel like him and and certain other pencilers, maybe, like, Ron Friends or something, like, I feel like there's sort of, like, inheritors of, like, that kind of, genre-ish style, like, I think most people look like they're supposed to, like, people are on character model, there's, like, a lot of dynamic action and everything, so, like, I, I do appreciate the artwork in this story, and, I mean, I mean, the story itself is kind of fluffy, like, like, I don't really, I guess maybe just out of nostalgia, I don't have too many problems with it, I mean, there's a couple things that are kind of goofy here and there, but they're not, they're not so intrusive that, like, they... I don't ruin the characters forever for me or anything. It's just there's a couple moments of kind of goofiness, I guess, for for the sake of maybe expedience or something. Like there would be in probably even like TV or 
or films of this time and stuff like that. But in I, you know, like like to me, I guess like one of the other things that I kind of got a chuckle out of is like there's that moment where basically like Spider-Man gives Tiger the opportunity to run out of the Italian restaurant. And then like there's these panels on the bottom where it's like Zabo runs out the door and then like Spider-Man runs out the door where he's like, don't fret Tiger, my love, you know? And then the fucking police officers also like, come back here. You know, it's like total, like, I don't know, like Smokey and the Bandit shit where like, they're like, they're all kind of like chasing after Tiger and stuff. So it's kind of funny to me, but you know, I, I guess comedy comes in threes. So it's like Zabo and Spidey and then the police officer, you know? So anyway, but, um, and then, and then I guess the only other thing that I have to add before I open it up to you guys is, and I, I posted this in the chat because I realized when I was looking at the, the hard copy, you know, the copy with, you know, oh my God, pages. So I was looking at the hard copy and I realized like I, I had a stunning realization that advertisements worked on five-year-old me because there's this like ad for the Spider-Man action game cartridge, you know, the game from Atari. And I was like, holy shit, this is why... I asked for that. Like, this is why I bought that game, because this ad was in here, and it clearly, like, totally, like, mind-zonked me. I'm like, I feel like, like, Batman got violated by Zatanna. It's like this comic book, like, violated my brain. Like, the Justice League <laughs> held me down. It's like, you will buy the Atari game, or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my God. But anyway, that's that's basically what I got on this. And it's like, you know, to me, it's a did pretty... You, did you have a... Did you have a... Did you have a thought bubble where you were like, "Is more action than even Derek Crabb yeah, can handle? Yeah, I totally handle? did. I totally did. <laughs> I was like, well, you know what? You feel that way on the first level, but then after that same level is just the Green Goblin again with, like, more, like, exploding bombs and windows. Then eventually you're like, dude, I've had all the action I can handle. But, like, that first level, you do feel that way. It's just when you get to, like, level 26 and it's, like, the same fucking building, but there's, like, 20 million, like, bombs <laughs> planted on the skyscraper. And you're like, oh, fuck you, Green Goblin. Like, you suck. You totally, like, made this, like, so much harder than it has to be. So, but, yeah. You got to get a high score. Yeah. Man. yeah. You got to get a high score. Got to save all those poor bastards um, in the in the building and stuff. Um, well, one thing that like really kind of like sprung out to me as far as this issue, I won't say it's a classic issue because nothing really important happens, but it, it has that kind of classic Spider-Man that I think they were wanting to go back to with the whole uh, one more day thing. He's single. He's he's got money problems. He's he he's got the quote unquote. I don't know. I don't know that he quite has Parker luck in this per se. Like he's just trying to help or trying to take on Tiger, and of course that's not working out for him. But I, I don't know that that is something. Like I, I don't know that there's there, there's some sense of responsibility with him. You know, like obviously he when he sees the mysterious guy like walking around, yeah, like he, he doesn't shirk his responsibility. It's not like he looks the other way like he did with Uncle Ben's killer. So I think I think this is a pretty decent. I mean, if this was like the like for me, I mean strictly speaking this was like the first spider-man comic i ever read and, and and obviously i knew the character before i read this probably from like tv or something like that but i mean you you get a decent idea of of who this character is yeah you know like just based yeah. on this one story and 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 also i i have to say like you know, even though this is like Tom DeFoe edited, so I guess this is, you know, from from a certain era or whatever, but I mean, it kind of, you know, it's like Jim Shooter's the editor-in-chief, right? And it's like, I have to say, like, this is kind of what I always talk about 
when reading comic books and you have no fucking clue what's going on. Like, I didn't know who Tigra was when I picked this up. I told you she scared the fuck out of me because I was like five years old. And I was like, who's this crazy lady in a bikini that's got like fur and is kissing people for no reason? Like, I'm scared. But point is, like, they set up. Well, but no, 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 care. but they set up pretty well. I mean, it didn't take very long. Like, there's just like, what is it, like a page where they just go into like, hey, in the middle of the action piece, you know, in the middle of this scuffle between Tigra and Sabo, they basically give you the, this was the, this comic was the reason I knew the cat or Tigra used to be the cat, like for the longest time when people would be like, what? Tigra was the cat? Yeah. And I, this was why I knew because there's the little, like, it's, it's basically one little flashback in the middle of the page. And it basically like, like, yeah, it's like, bam, got you up to speed. <laughs> like, if, if you were, you know, five-year-old Derek, and you're like, who the fuck is Zabo? Who the fuck is Tigra? What? It's like, there you go. Here they are. And it didn't didn't ruin the flow of the story, didn't ruin the flow of the fight. It, it's like Tigra's taking a breather, and she has a brief kind of like, hey, remember this? And then we're back into the, the action again, and Spider-Man comes through the room and starts, you know doing his, well, he doesn't hit him with his butt like Fox Kids show, but he, he tries to, you know, hit him with his feet, and, <laughs> and obviously Zabo is, like, one of these sort of super strong, super dense type, strong guy types, you know, who's kind of lumbering and dumb and everything, so it's like, it, you know, obviously Spider-Man hurts his footsies and that kind of thing, but, I mean, I, you know, I don't know, I, this might be one of those comics that's probably not that good, and I just, I, I have fond memories of it out of nostalgia, but I don't. I don't think it's necessarily. You know, I I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's probably a pretty good comic book. You know, like you know, I I I would imagine at the very least, you know, you'd go like you know, like a, a C B type. You know, if you're going to grade it or whatever. But you know, I I don't know. It's like I I think it's a pretty good issue as far as you know art and, and story and that kind of thing. And and you even have kind of a you know this Quickie Burger guy is kind of like the the worst traits of a J. Jonah Jameson character. You know what I mean? He's like, he's a boss. He's a person and a you know, figure of authority, like all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he's he's a jerk, he's you a know, jerk, like, yeah. and, 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 you know, kind of, you know, seems to be a standard thing. Like if Jonah was ranting, I'm sure Spider-Man would web his mouth too. You know what I mean? But this guy, it's a lot easier because he's sort of a, he's a little more one-dimensional, you know, like he's in it for, you know, making his, his quickie burger money. And then, you know, that's it. But then, you know, I, I don't know what else there is to say about this other than there's like a brief cameo from Lance Bannon. So like, you know, long time, you know, Spider-Man readers will know him as a, a supporting character, kind of like a rival photographer for Peter Parker, basically, and instead of like a rival for, I guess, Spider-Man or whatever. But, you know, otherwise, like that's, and, and and I have to admit, like, I'm not going to go into the story too much, but, like, this probably totally, like, imprinted on me as, like, backup stories or for chumps or whatever. Like, you don't read the backup stories because this backup story is, like, not that great. So, like, and, of course, I was also scared by the, the you know, Scarlet Witch, too. So it's, like, it, it, the combination of things was, like, and then, and then there's, like, a scary monster in the back, too, that like they release or whatever. So it was like kind of all around scary. And then it was kind of short. Wasn't like all that great to me. And so I guess maybe that sort of kind of colored my impressions of backup stories is like backup stories aren't important. You know, like it's, it's the main, it's the lead story that's going to be <laughs> important. 
when you read comics. But I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. Like, have you guys read this before? Like, have you not read this before? Is this your first time? I, I had never read this before. And, like, uh, I'm kind of glad I, like, I got to because, like, I, I, I just thought it was neat that, like, I kind of recognized what mm. era of, mm. like, Spider-Man this was. And, right. like, I, I kind of, like, you know, what is his... his uh, thoughts about like oh i just lost the black cat i kind of identified oh so this is like probably right after i think it's like their like uh meeting where she like kind of falls yeah, into the yeah. water and he thinks she's like dead or whatever so yeah and then like it, it makes sense that like he's like hey tiger yeah yeah cat i'm on I'm, I'm that lady like, this cat lady's cool too yeah but yeah <laughs> and noah was weird the one weird part i thought was since I wasn't very familiar with Tigra's like backstory, like when Zabo showed up, I was kind of like, "Is that supposed to be some like flash in the pan appearance, like oh, Mister Hyde or oh, something? Okay. Like where he okay. looks where because yeah, like, yeah, Calvin yeah, yeah, yeah. Zabo, like, and I was like, and he like only looked like this for a brief time, and I'd never seen this appearance of him because he's like this big like hulking like dumb guy. And then like the story war on, I was like, well, this is definitely right, right, not yeah. Mr. Hyde. Yeah, I think it's just one yeah. of those things. The guys so, happen to have the yeah. same names. It's like it's like uh, it's like Bushmaster yeah. and Bushmaster. You know, like, they're, they're two separate characters. <laughs> yeah, like I, I like that. Everyone was like in character. It was kind of like lighthearted yeah, in yeah. places. And then like you know when the drama, you know, happened, it was really a it, the lightheartedness made the drama at the end when like Tigra like talks him down like yeah, more effective. Yeah. I mean, so, this is this is. Yeah. I like, this is I like pretty well written, the, yeah. you know. Like, it, it's it's interesting because I'm sure like you're you're familiar with Jam DiMatteis's writing from like uh, other eras, so it must be fun to read something that you haven't read by a writer you enjoy from a different era of a character you typically like. Yeah, and like when when people think of Tigra, usually they don't think of like a tragic backstory, but she does have like a you know a right, dead husband right. basically. Like yeah, like you kind of think of Tigra as kind of almost like a not a joke character, but a kind of like, you know, lighthearted character. And so whenever that comes up, you're like, oh, that's right. Like, okay. Well, you know, I mean, well, that's the, the, the fact that like when uh, there's, there was that point where when Tigra became Tigra, Tigra, she, she like, you know, like Derek was talking about smooching the cop and stuff. She, she really embraced the whole, like, you know, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm like a fucking furry cat lady. So I'm not normal. Yeah. I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna do this shit. And then, um, like, you know, the the earliest appearances of Tigra I ever read was when she was like in Avengers, and she was like, you know, goofing off, and you know, like the Molecule Man was like making her like piss her pants and whatever. Like, so she was kind of like, oh my god, like don't kill me. And you know, I, I like, you know, it wasn't like the best first impression of her, but like as I read more and more about, you know, when when I read her in like West Coast Avengers, and like, you know, eventually. Avengers Academy, I grew to appreciate her a lot more. She had a really good run in West Coast Avengers. I, I, I will say this, like, you know, uh, I'm not going to get super political, but a little bit. I think some people, like, who read this nowadays might get, like, totally kind of mind because, like, Peter, you know, more so than the cop, kind of lust after Tigra, you know, she, she's, like, so hot and everything like that. And they're like, oh, you're portraying women badly. But, Tigra is like the most competent one. She like, actually kind of outdoes Spider-Man and the cop easily. And I'm like, ha ha, 
look at this old comic where the female hero is completely competent and not stupid. So take that, you know, it was like, yeah, it was kind of cool. I, I think that was like intentional or by design. It seemed like the cat was one of those like seventies, you know, I mean, you know, to go back to the old power girl thing, you know, she was one of those, I'm a woman's, you know, like, you know, that kind of character. Like, I think, yeah. I think she was definitely supposed to be like a, a poster girl for, for basically like women's live or something like that. I mean, you know, it's like, it's not like, I, I mean, for the most part, I, I don't think that there were certain areas where you probably couldn't get away with, even if she is a cat lady with fur, just a chick that runs around in a bikini and fights crime. You know what I mean? So it's like, this is, this is definitely a step in, in a yeah. certain direction one way or the other, whether you notice it or not. You know, I think that Marvel untold book pretty much said like, that was the case. Like, I kind of remember them saying, like, you know, they were trying different stuff in the 70s, and that, you know, the cat book was something they were trying that was, you know, different. At least, I guess, you know, in their minds, it was yeah. it was different. One of my earlier comments, like, moving, I have to kind of reference this. I, like, you know, with great power codes, great cop blocking. I love Peter to death, but, man, he 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 just, like, totally kills any possible romance with uh, Greer and the, and the cop. It's just like, <laughs> because like even the cop looked bad but his constant interference pretty much pushes like you know tigra uh, by the way your name's greer nelson that's why i said greer pushes tiger to be like you know what i don't like either of you guys right now so i'm just gonna go off and do me and it, it, i i felt it, bad it's weird the that they both sort of had the whole self analysis stuff where it's like they, they both sort of realize like Spider-Man kind of realizes like, Oh, I'm still getting over black cat and I'm trying to use like tiger as like this rebound cat lady. And then Tigra is like, Oh, I'm kind of into this Kronsky guy. Cause he basically reminds me of my dead husband. And then, and then, and, and then oh, she yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. kind of go, I guess she comes to the conclusion. Like, maybe that's not the way I should go, you know, moving forward. You know what I mean? Like maybe I shouldn't try to, to sort of recapture something I lost and just kind of, you know, go on with my life or whatever. But yeah, I, I can see what you're saying though. In the meantime, this guy Kronsky's like, Oh, but I mean, you know what? They knew each other for what a day. I mean, I'm sure he's fine. Like, you know, he's, he's going to live, you know, he'll be all right. Oh, yeah. It's not like he's heartbroken yeah. or anything. He was just, yeah, he, yeah. he, he was but, minding his own business, almost got hit with a crowbar. She saved his life pretty much got yeah, a smooch and, and, yeah. and had a nice dinner. So, the big scary bald guy broke their dinner table, you know, and then after that he, he got into some trouble with the you know, he's gonna have to sort of explain this to his probably department captain or some shit, but otherwise I, I don't think he's uh he, you know, I think he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. I, well that that's I, I guess that's what I was talking about when I said like this isn't maybe a classic story but but a classic mm. way to tell a story is like cause I used to love Marvel team up. I thought it was like, you know, like the the shit when I was a kid, I had more than a few issues. I remember saying on a spinner rack episode, one of my first issues I ever read of Spider-Man was, was him and the, the fabulous frogman taking on the white rabbit. And like, you don't get that nowadays. You don't get these simple one and done stories or like doesn't have to fit into a trade paperback. It doesn't have to really be important. But it, it's a fun little romp, and you could be like, after you read it, you're like, oh, that's I, I cool. will say also, I think for a, for a 16-page story, like, there's a lot more in those 16 pages than you usually right. get in your standard, I don't know, whatever it is these days, you know, 17, 21 pages, like whatever, whatever it ends up being, you know, for a, a modern comic book and you pay a hell of a lot more. But I mean, that's, I don't know, that's something, 
I like that's like fucking broken record. I mean, I think think all of us fucking old geezer comic fans say that like ad nauseum. So I don't, I don't think I'm I'm uh, enlightening anyone or spreading any news around. I mean, I think that's obvious. But sometimes it's just it, you you you're always washed over with that feeling when you read something for an hour and go, holy shit, this is so dense. You know, like like because you're used to like reading some new book and it takes you like you know two minutes to read or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not so much me giving it on modern comics. It's just more like I appreciated, like Mike, that you you brought a, a issue that I hadn't read before, and I was like, "Oh, cool, man! Some old school storytelling. That's that's cool." All right. So I guess then, uh, I mean, unless anybody else does, anybody have any other thoughts on this issue, Justin? Like, do you have any thoughts, like in particular? Or? I never read this before, which is weird because I had every issue of Marvel Team Up and Marvel Two in One at one point. But I, I guess I never really sat down and read every issue. This is my first time reading it, so I don't know. It, it was. I thought it was kind of weird. Yeah. I don't yeah. know all the stuff. All the stuff with like them like trying to sell hamburgers, and then Spider-Man's like, uh, "I'm out of here," and then he's like, "Oh, gee, I really kind of needed that money for Aunt May." I'm just like, "Well, why did you leave? Like that was dumb." And then the stuff with like the cop, I was like, "That was." I don't know, the stuff with the cop was kind of sweet but it was also like totally random he's like oh my god it's like so totally random you guys i was like uh okay I mean, it was fun it was just a weird issue no 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 i i agree that it's weird because i've always thought like i i don't know how to explain it but part of the reason why i found tiger and the scarlet which scary was probably because of how how weird this issue was to to a degree like there is that aspect to me like the 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 moment i pointed out where like tiger's hawking the burger and she looks like a scary gene cullen vampire you know and it's like but she's smiling it's like that's a weird image right like a smiling vampire with a hamburger you know like that's kind of but essentially she's like a weird cat lady or whatever but that is kind of like just kind of weird you know and then meanwhile some weird bald guy is stalking her like that's weird you know like the whole thing was kind of like I, I i don't know how to explain it but like that that's kind of like i don't know like like for some reason like this colored my impressions of you know th this was a marvel comic like a marvel comic was a little scary a little weird a little you know not not like a dc comic yes i don't know but yeah okay bill are we ready sure paul oh wait be right back i need my avengers Omnibus. Uh, where did I put that thing? While Bill looks for that, let me tell you about our new endeavor. Two True Freaks has grown, and Back to the Bins is growing with it. I, Paul Spataro, along with Bill Robinson and Scott Gardner. Just say his name three times in an email, and he'll appear in your show. Hey, how's it going? Ah, sorry, sorry. I forgot I had a Scott Gardner life model decoy in here. Be right there. Ow! Oh, who put Cap's shield there? Anyway, we're looking to showcase various characters, storylines, issues, or whatever strikes our fancy from the world of the Avengers. Hey, Ben, move that funny-looking hammer, would you? It's it's on that book, and I can't move it. Sure thing, Dad. Where do you want it? Uh, over there somewhere. No! no! Watch out for the repulsor! Ow! Oh! Don't tell your mother. We like to call it Avengers Spotlight. I thought it was going to be called Old Avengers Never Die, They Just Get Reassembled and Sent to Another Earth. What? Too wordy? Who knows what we'll cover, and who might stop by? So join us for the Avengers Spotlight, where we'll look at Earth's greatest heroes and some of comics' greatest stories, such as the Korvac Saga, 
Acts of Vengeance, The Kree Scroll War, and, oh, for the love of Christ, who the hell put the Celestial Madonna saga on this list? Huh. I found a use for that life model decoy after all. Okay, found it. We ready? <sighs> hey, wait a minute. This is the Book of the Vashanti. <sighs> Forget it. See you soon, everybody. My favorite Avengers are D-Man and Green Lantern. Say goodnight, Scott. Goodnight, Scott. So I guess if that's... I, I guess if, if there's no other final thoughts, I guess we can move on to uh, Tony's book. Tony, why don't you tell everybody what comic book you brought for this evening and, and give us a, a synopsis, and then we can discuss it a little bit. Uh, sure, awesome. My comic I picked was... Amazing Spider-Man 326. It is titled Gravity Storm. <laughs> Cover date of December 1989. So the year of the bat. <laughs> this is a, an official Acts of Vengeance tie-in. However, unlike a lot of the multi-part issues I tend to bring, could e easily be a one and done. The Acts of Vengeance stuff doesn't really start pretty hardcore till later installments. So I did good on that one. It's written by uh, David Michelini during his almost legendary run. Not saying this is one of his legendary issues, but yeah, David is known of the well-known spider scribes of the time. It's penciled by Colleen Duran. I believe this is pretty much kind of like her filling in, because this is kind of between the time McFarlane was off the book and Eric Larson would eventually take the reins. But she does good art. It has a very kind of Mike Allred look to it almost. And I kind of appreciate that. She has clean lines, good anatomy. She is not a bad artist, but in any respect. And case is wondering, the anchor is Andy Mashinsky. So yeah, but yeah, Gravity Storm. Basically, we start off in the apartment of Mary Jane and Peter Parker. They are married at this point in the, uh, the timeline. They've recently gotten their new apartment. So they're having a housewarming party. People bringing gifts and stuff. People like Harry is there with like uh, his son, Normie. <laughs> and there's also Flash and his incredibly, like, predating hipster uh, girlfriend, Sambuca. She's, she's, she sucks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> during the, the mild festivities of a, of a uh, housewarming party, there's a knock on the door and there's, there's all this lavish stuff being wheeled in by uh, basically your uh, typical kind of uh, fancy spancy uh, waiter types and, and all whatnot. Ice Swan, uh, high price food, all this kind of stuff. This is a subplot that goes through a lot of the issues of this time. There's this creepy guy named uh, Jonathan Caesar who has taken quite a liking to Mary Jane. And, uh, well, let's just put it bluntly, he's stalking her. Pete's pretty much worried about this, but Mary says she wants to handle it herself. Spoiler, it involves a gun. But at this point in the story, Mary Jane is trying to take it on her own and, and Pete's worried about her, but he, he trusts his woman and he is not going to uh, try to cause her more stress, you know, butting in. But uh, this is where Sambuca sucks because he's going to go check on Aunt May and go to the Daily Bugle and even go to his Empire State University class to see what Dr. Swan needs for his next assignments. He's hanging out with Flash as they walk and Flash Flash is kind of having a tough time at this point. This is this is kind of recently after he was one of the guys who was fingered as being the Hobgoblin, which he wasn't. And his self-image is really bad. He's had, you know, down, you know, down times. And he wants to take up boxing. Uh, Sambuca says it's barbaric and doesn't know why he wants to do it. 
Flash, rightfully so, says, like, he needs to get back on, like, fighting shape and make something of himself. Sambuca is never seen again in the comics, so good on that. Peter is kind of surprised by this, but he understands what Flash is going through, and he's, he's you know, like, pretty supportive of his friend. Peter goes to the Bugle, and this is during the time, which something we will, we will kind of get into later. At the time, this is when Thomas Fireheart is in charge of the Bugle. He owed Peter kind of a, a, a debt, and he was also his adversary, the Puma. And to repay that debt, he decided to get Jay Jonah off his back by buying the Bugle. He's having some, you know, issues himself, but he, he's he, he's helping Peter out. Peter goes up to change into Spider-Man to do the web slinging. Part of Fireheart's takeover of the Bugle means there's cameras everywhere, so he has to go up to the roof to get out of the stairwell. I thought that was kind of cool. So he goes to Aunt May's house, and, and you know, cute little thing there with Nathan Lubinsky. I always liked Nathan Lubinsky. He was a grouchy, like, mean son of a bitch. But him and Aunt May had kind of, like, the most realistic relationship. It was much better, than I thought, than, like, you know, Willie Lumpkin and Doc Ock, for sure. <laughs> so I, I always, always felt bad when Lubinsky, you know, finally passed away. And this is one of the reasons this is mentioned, because she was having kind of a, a boarding house or, or, well, kind of like a, a, a bed and breakfast kind of place. And she's decided to stop it because Nathan is not getting better. He, he's pretty much terminal and she just wants to have him be peaceful in his final days. It's just a little subplot and there is more turns and twists to Nathan's story. I just thought that was kind of a sweet little moment. This is one of those things you read Spider-Man comics for. But anyway, the important part is we go back to Mary Jane and da da da, she's hanging out with Liz. Uh, Osborne and you know he got a phone call it's Harry he came back he's got a phone call and Jonathan Caesar was the caller more on that again a lot of subplots in this issue the main crux of the story happens when Graviton enters Graviton who is not Thunderbolt Ross damn it he's he's pretty he's a pretty powerful villain he, he's often given the spotlight when he shows up but he's also often forgotten despite his rather impressive powers he controls gravity gravity is kind of an important force in our universe but anyway he takes out the security guard as he goes to the daily bugle he's been called spider-man but by who that this is the acts of vengeance tie-in he basically makes a big spectacle and while peter is at empire state university he just happens to look out the window and see that the daily bugle is floating in the air yeah, gravity, what a bitch. So he decides he, you know, obviously has to do something about this. He web swings over to the Daily Bugle. During this, the slime known as Nick Katzenberg is snapping pictures of Graviton because one exclusive. Joy Mercado is also there. She's a, another great Spider-Man supporting character. So Spider-Man swings in and tries to save the day. But Graviton is really powerful, as stated. He tries to fling webs at them and they just float helplessly in the air. That was a really cool little panel I always liked. As he tries to fight, Nick somehow helps him out accidentally by snapping a picture of Graviton, temporarily blinding him, breaking his concentration. So Spidey tries to go and on the offense, getting the upper hand for a few minutes until Graviton pretty much increases Nick Katzenberg's weight, cementing him to the floor. And while Spidey is no big fan of Nick, he is, again, kind of slimy. You can't let someone who has no weapons, is not a fighter, die. So he tries to save Nick, but in doing so, by pulling him up with spider strength, 
spring over the top of his head. Graviton wrecks him by throwing a bunch of office equipment at him. He manages to save the day, but, but Graviton is very overconfident and thinks he's killed Spider-Man. So he leaves. This is not the way Spider-Man normally wins. So the EMTs take Spider-Man out. Nick is being still slimy, and Joy slaps his camera out of his hand and tells him, you know, what a piece of crap he is. Peter returns to Mary Jane in Soho, and he is not feeling good. He, he, he just got his ass kicked, basically, in no uncertain terms. And he's not used to that. Usually, Spidey pulls out the win in the end. However, uh, Mary Jane and Peter, and one of, like, the nicer moments of their relationship that I really enjoyed, they have, like, kind of a, you know, nice little page where she reassures him that he's not a loser at all, and, you know... She, she, she's always going to see him as her hero, at least. And there's like a nice little, like, you know, cuddly, wuddly moment. They're, they're like, you know, in the, the, the way the coloring is, it's in a nice ambient glow. And Peter feels a little bit better about himself, knowing that at least ha he has the woman he loves. That's the end of this issue. And after this, Acts of Vengeance really ramps up, but this is the, uh, the start of it. And uh, I just thought it was a, a cool issue to see Peter get his ass kicked by a really powerful foe like Graviton. So, what do you guys think? I was reading this while, you know, basically getting these from the comic store, like, while it was coming out. I think at the time, I probably unfairly, like, kind of was unhappy with the stylistic art change. But, I mean, looking at this on its own terms, like, she was probably... Uh, a way better storyteller than either Eric Larson or Todd McFarlane. But I think at the time, <laughs> right. like I probably was like, Oh man, like where's, where's Todd McFarland? You know, like I was probably all, you know, butthurt because this wasn't a McFarlane issue. And I, you know, I just thought some, some poser artist was trying to draw like McFarlane with like Mary Jane's big hair or whatever, you know, and stuff like that. I, I think this is also a, a good issue in terms of, like, the supporting cast, you know, visiting and making appearances and stuff. Like, you know, it's like, you know me, my favorites. It's like Randy Candy and Bambi are there, and, you know, Glory Grant's yeah. there, and, you know, Flash, of course, you mentioned with the, it's like, what, the, the Rachel Dozel of the issue or whatever. Like, it's like, what? <laughs> you know, but anyway, so... Yeah, so, like, and then it, it, this does kind of remind me of that Jonathan Caesar, like, that That was, like, that ongoing slot. That that kind of got old after a while, and I think this was at the point where that was, it did. That was yeah. like, super old and stuff. So it's, like, it seems like, though, at least they're getting away from it, because it's, like, in this, at least by the end of it, it's, like, oh, that wasn't a call from him, you know? It was, like, it was a call that I got, like, a new acting job or whatever, you know, and that kind of thing. The other yeah, the other yeah. thing, the that, other yeah. thing that I think is kind of cute, like, and and, you know, you talked about the sequences when you went through the synopsis, but like, I, I like how, like when Peter goes to visit aunt May and when Mary Jane thinks the phone call is from Peter, like, I think it's kind of cute that like, they have like, like aunt May has a little heart above her head when Peter like says hello. Yeah. And like when Mary Jane thinks it's Peter that made the phone call, she's got all like hearts around her head. And like, I don't know. I just think that's kind of cute. Like I, I, I kind of like that as like just a storytelling tool. You know, it's like, that's something you could only, well, maybe not only, you could probably do it in animation too, but it's one of the things where, you know, it, it's using the medium of comics to convey a sense of emotion, you know, other than, you know, making, you know, like there, she's still making the, 
the characters act, like the looks on their faces. Like you can tell that Aunt May's happy to see Peter, but that just adds an extra layer of it's it's like they have like little emoji thoughts over their head or something like <laughs> yeah. that. You know, so like that's that's kinda neat. So I, I, I did like that and you know, and, and of course like I never mentioned this before, but like I, I always have like Joey Mercado. Like I, I, I always thought because when she first showed up, I think when I was reading the Spider-Man comics, she was drawn by Mark Silvestri. So like she was like super duper, like hottie boom body and everything. And she, you know, she's obviously a cool character in this too. And so like you know, basically, it's kind of nice to see that they can still do kind of like a super heroic story. You know, it's like, again, this is like one of those kind of classic comics where they, they have a, a, you know, superhero versus supervillain story and that, you know, threatening for the character, the lead character and exciting and all that other stuff. But you can still see Peter dealing with tons of supporting cast, you know, even the whole, you know, Thomas Fireheart buys out the Daily Bugle thing in the background. Like there's a lot of great sort of like B and C subplots going on amongst like the a acts of vengeance plot so yeah i mean i i you know it's fun i think i like i said i think at the time when i probably first read this i was probably a pretty harsh critic on the art just because it wasn't you know the the hot artist of the month that i had gotten used to but i think in in hindsight looking at this now i think the storytelling in this is like i said probably way way better and more intricate than than anything Todd McFarlane would have drawn. So I, I guess, you know, in hindsight, I'm, right. I'm you know, kind of just speaking up and, you know, this, this is an example of me going, my young self was stupid and dumb and didn't know what he was talking about. So, you know. I, I remember reading this a while back and like, yeah, I think I kind of had the same like thoughts Derek had, like maybe where I was like, oh man, like this is like, this was supposed to be like the Eric Larson or Tar todd mcfarlane era and i was like what's this artist doing here and yeah like i think like she's definitely like functional and like you know maybe i was harsher back then than i was now i i was kind of like i like i was trying to remember when i was reading it like did i was like didn't spider-man have his cosmic powers yet no that hasn't happened yet so i was kind of like why is he fighting graviton like that's kind of out of his like league and then i i was like oh well he'll he'll be able to match him with the cosmic powers but then i was like no oh, wait he doesn't have them yet. So, yeah, like, I guess that fight kind of went the way it, like, you know, the it, it should have, basically. Yeah. That Spider-Man couldn't, like, lay a hand on him. And, like, he even, like, he's kind of like, you know, even the moment where he almost gets him on the ropes, they're, they're kind of like, no, like, if you knock him out, like, the building. Yeah, then gonna we're all going to die. Oh, crap, yeah. you're right, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I'm mostly, like, I know Graviton mostly from, like, Thunderbolts and stuff. So, like, he was pretty much in character where you know he's a pompous asshole who demands respect from everyone and you know and if you don't give him respect he like you know nick katzenberg you you know <laughs> he flattens you or you know whatever but yeah like and, and i like seeing like all like you know flash thompson and like uh, all his supporting cast in this era like this was a nice trip down memory lane because i know like unlike like Derek, i had read this before so like i was just trying to like guess where the story went like based on my like spotty memories of it it, it, it helps mike i'm sure you remember this but after spidey goes more comic he does he does slap he does slaps down uh graviton later so yeah that, that's probably what i was thinking of yeah what about you justin did you enjoy this issue i did enjoy it and i had not read this before i know when some people probably think of like big avengers villains they probably think of like kang and ultron but 
I always kind of include Graviton and Count Nefaria, mm. like in my list, probably because I read so many of those like 70s you know issues of the avengers like when i was growing up so like for me like you know graviton and count nefaria are like pretty high tier in my book but i did like this I, like i'm familiar with you know colleen's work i think she did a few issues of like salmon like somewhere in the 20s or 30s so like i'm familiar with her art style and i like it and you know i agree with you guys i think she definitely tells a better story than mcfarland or you know larson but yeah this is fun like i I was like, you know, I was like, oh, I've never read this before. This should be fun. I was like, oh, Graviton? Like, well, I was like, well, how's Peter going to, like, beat him? Like, he should be like, you know, like, Graviton should, like, you know, squish him and move on. You know, like, you know, Spider-Man. I mean, I like Spider-Man and, you know, everything. But, like, he, he'd be squished. But uh, but this was a fun issue. And, like, I liked all that stuff of, like, him levitating the building and, like, wrapping Peter and, like, all that metal and stuff. Like, I thought that was a lot of fun. Like, the... All the, like, ongoing story arcs with, like, the supporting characters, I was, like, I was a little lost because I guess I was not familiar with some of that or, like, I didn't remember a lot of it. Like, I kind of remember, like, the whole, like, you know, Mary Jane had a stalker yeah. and it went on for too long, like you guys said. That kind of, like, I was, like, I kind of remember that. But then some of the other stuff, I was just, like, I don't know. I don't know. Turn the page. <laughs> Get to Graviton. But, uh, but, yeah, this was a fun comic and I enjoyed it. Yeah, this was definitely during an era where Pete had a lot of subplots with other characters going on, and, and I like that. I like Spider-Man's like being complicated and stuff, and I also like his, his his supporting character cast having their own stories. Yes, the Johnson Caesar thing did go really long. I could be mistaken, but I don't think it got fully resolved until Bagley's run. Like they went through the whole Larson run. And finally, like in Bagley's run, they finally ended it, ended it for really reals. And yeah, it went way too long. I, I can't dispute that. But like Derek said, this it wasn't a big subplot in this issue, so that that's good. But yeah, yeah, I just I, I I was really happy that I remember this issue. I remember reading. I got off a of spinner rack. This is when I was going to my my local convenience store pretty regularly and and picking up these issues. I mean, you can see the cover price is only a dollar. Uh, only a dollar for comics. Can can you imagine? Yeah, I, I picked up pretty much the entire cosmic spidey arc then this is where it starts but like i said I, I was happy this was a one and done in many ways you can read this and not really read the rest of the whole acts of vengeance tie-in and you'd be totally happy I, I i was you know very thrilled that i actually got a comic that you guys didn't have to you know go back and explain to be like oh well he also gets cosmic spider powers and you know captain universe yada 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 yeah, yeah, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I, I, I do, I do love Cosmic Spider-Man. I mean, the the original, you know, like yeah. Captain Universe X Inventions thing. Like, I remember getting really heavy into it, and like you said, this is kind of like a, this is almost like a prologue to that, right? Because it's like this is before he gets it, and then you can even see at the end of it, it's like, and next up, the big change, and we don't mean two fives for a ten, you know, and they're basically. Kind of insinuating, like, oh, he's gonna get like new powers soon and all that stuff. So, but you know, I mean, it's 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 a fun book. I think also, like, speaking to what Mike said, like, you know, I, I know he was mentioning to us earlier, I think off off uh, off air about you know J Jonah type thing, and there is like a moment there where he's like, oh, you know, even if I don't own the bugle, those are still my people up there in the floating building. Somebody's got to save him. Somebody's got to do something. Yeah. You know, so it's like you could tell, like, okay, yeah, he's a pompous ass sometimes, but, like, he cares about 
the the people that he's employed, even if if they're no longer his employees, you know. So there's a, the, you know, that that's something that you know I think people tend to overlook when it comes to Jay Jonah, and that's just a you know simple like panel thing, and it's like one of those things where you're like, oh okay, you know, this is this is somebody who gets the layers of of uh, Jay Jonah Jameson. Yeah, he's a blowhard, but he's not a piece of crap. He's he's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it is nice that since J. Jonah is not around, Nick Kat- Katzenberg is there to pick up the slack and be like, you know, Spider-Man foiled when he teams up with a supervillain and gets taken out by his, like, former, like, ally. It's like, oh, man, you asshole. <laughs> when Joey Mercado slaps his camera out of his hand. <laughs> but that, that's all I've got, unless anybody else wants to uh, uh, pot, pipe in with anything. In late 1984, Marvel's direct sales manager sat in a crowded meeting of comic retailers. Let's be honest, Secret Wars was crap, right? But did it sell? The room exploded with applause. Well, get ready for Secret Wars Series 2. Beginning in 2018, Pulp to Pixel's Marvel superhero Secret Wars and Beyond will do the unthinkable Secret Wars 2. We'll take a detailed look at the event, the tie-ins, the new characters, and we will attempt to answer one of the largest questions in the history of the Marvel Universe. What the heck was Jim Shooter thinking? No, no, seriously, what was Jim Shooter thinking? Well, you can find out at the Pulp to Pixel podcast network, where you can subscribe to all of our amazing shows, or just to Secret Wars and Beyond itself, as it is now in its own omnipotent feed. Secret Wars 2 and Beyond, a Pulp to Pixel podcast production. You'll believe an omnipotent being can use the restroom. All right, I think sounds like we're good. I guess we'll we'll move on to the the next comic pick of the evening, and that would be something that Justin brought for us tonight. So, Justin, why don't you regale us with what comic book of Spider-Man you brought for us to take a look at? Give us a little synopsis, and then like the other stuff, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll we'll talk amongst ourselves about this comic. So, I brought Spectacular Spider-Man number one ninety one. Has a cover date August nineteen ninety two. It has a cover price of a whopping 125 quatloos. It was written by J.M. DeMatteis and penciled by Sal Buscema. The puma struggles to control himself. Meanwhile, Peter and Mary Jane have a tense encounter, resulting in Peter leaving their apartment to clear his mind with a little web-slinging. Both the puma and Spider-Man are plagued by a crow that takes different shapes. Puma battles Spider-Man in his black costume, and Peter battles the puma. The crow eventually leads both of them into a vortex of mist that transports them to some unknown place. To be continued. So, I got this from, I think, the either the Family Dollar or the Dollar General, and it was in one of those, like, you know, three-packs, and this was, like, the face-up comic. Like, I was just like, I, you know, I saw that comic, and I really like the, the cover for this, because it has, like, Puma... You know, kind of like slashing at Peter's neck, and he's wearing the black costume. And I was like, "Oh wow!" Like, you know, not only is it Spider-Man, but like he's, you know, he's wearing the black costume. So that was like an instant buy for me. But the reason I was at that store was there was this kid at school who told me he went there and he got a lightsaber, like, you know, just a toy lightsaber. So. I, you know, talked my parents to shopping, like, next time we were out, you know, getting groceries. And in my mind, I was imagining, you know, like, just like a toy version of, like, you know, Luke's, you know, Luke's lightsaber or maybe Darth Vader's lightsaber. But what I found was, like, rinky-dink generic lightsabers that are, like, yellow and the handle looks more like a sword or something. I was just like, 
what is this? Like this this isn't a lightsaber. This, this is some like off brand thing. Like this isn't cool. Like this this isn't what I want. <laughs> so I'm kinda sad about that and disappointed. So I was like wandering alert around the store. I was like, well maybe it's in another aisle. So I was just kinda wandering around. And that's when I found these like, you know, comic three packs. And I was like, Oh yeah, they've got comics and like I think this was like the, you know, this pack was probably like the top one. And, you know, like I said, like that cover like caught my eye. I, I don't even remember what the other two comics were. Could have, could have been anything. But, but yeah, I, I remember like, you know, buying that three pack and, you know, reading the Spider-Man comic on the way, way, on the way home. And I really enjoyed it. But, you know, like to this day, like I've never read like the continuation of the story. So like I still have no idea like how this plays out out and i don't think i've ever seen this crow guy in any other comics like have, have you guys seen him in anything else i don't i don't remember i i know i know he's in the next two parts of this obviously like they're they they sort of i don't know they don't really quite work it out per se but they i don't know the, it, it's kind of weird like it it actually ends technically i mean you know obviously he comes back but like it kind of ends with puma's death like basically like at the end of this, mm. but like, yeah. but like he he um, he's come back even like more bestial than he was before. Yeah, like what's his name? Like like Eric Dark Crow or something like that, or something. Like that? Uh, Black Crow, I guess, is what his name is. Black yeah. Crow, yeah, yeah. So, have you guys read this before? I think I'm trying to remember. It's weird. Like I, I mean, I did collect Spider Man on a regular basis, but I kind of feel like this was something where I probably I don't I don't know if I don't know if I'm conflating this storyline with the storyline where Puma finally came back because it's like I think I got a little butt hurt when they made him like a total animal but that's like later in the early like two two yeah two doesn't, doesn't he come the I am the yeah spider, like like like, like, era, like yeah. I think I got really butt hurt over that but I, I kind of feel like this is sort of the 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 testing the waters of that a little bit like because he's not he's totally far gone but it's like that opening where he's trying to control himself i mean he's he's kind of lost it like and i was i was kind of like i i like the puma like as a character and i i kind of liked him as you know kind of like in the same way i like like the whole william baker version of sandman you know sort of as like an ally man even though they had confrontations in the past so for me i guess there there was something about this where I felt like it was a, it's one of those things where it's like reading, for me, it's like reading a Sandman story in like the Paul Jenkins era because they decided he had, or, or the Howard Mackey burn run where they decided, you know, the wizard had to like mind zonk Sandman into being a villain again because, you know, he's a villain in the movie or because he's, he's supposed to be Spider-Man's villain, not his buddy. And, and so there was that aspect to it. I know I was reading Spectacular at the time. Like, I know I was super into the whole, like, you know, Harry Osborn, you know, Spider-Man war and stuff. But I kind of feel like I would selectively skip over certain things. So I don't know that I necessarily bought this when it was coming out. I might have ended up getting it as a back issue or something like that to fill in like holes or something in a collection. But I, I know I was because like, it's like 189 just had the big, like Harry green, you know, the green goblin Spider-Man showdown. So I know I bought that in 190, but I, I wonder if I like kind of 
you know, like that was the climax of that story. And I kind of feel like maybe I took it easy on, like I didn't buy Spectacular Spider-Man for another couple months until they went into that. I think what, didn't it like have another six part storyline leading up to 200? Like, I feel like that's probably when I started paying attention to it again. Yeah. So. Like he teamed up with the X-Men right before 200. And then like, I forgot what was in between that and this. Yeah. But... I, w- I was going to say, I'm pretty sure Black Crow was introduced in DeMatteis' Captain America okay. run. Like, wasn't he, like, he, he was, he might have been, like, a spirit guide to, like, Steve Rogers and, like, at, like, you know, uh, that run up to issue 200 where, you know, the Red Skull, like, died or whatever. Because I remember reading that, and I, I think that's where Black Crow showed up before. Although I I could be wrong, but I'm thinking of a different character. No, you're right. I think, you 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 but, mean leading up to 300, but yeah, that's no, that's, or 300. That's, yeah, that's yeah. that's correct. Yeah, that's where I thought I'd seen him before, but yeah, like I, I had read this before just because like I like DiMatteis' run and I like Sal Buscema's art, so I made a point to track down like everything Spider-Man he had ever oh, drawn. So and... so get a load of this, like see, this is I, I've read all these issues of Captain America, but I don't I don't remember all of it. But you know how Justin asked if if anything else happened to him after that. So like he basically showed up to tell Captain America he was going to die in that, uh, you know, you know, the, the arc where he had the fighting chance armor or whatever, like that, that was essentially, that was essentially his, his last quote unquote appearance. And then, and then they say, supposedly he, I guess he, they, they have, I guess there was like dialogue or something that he was arrested during the civil war, you know, initiative era or something. So I guess he was he was probably one of the poor prisoners that got sent to the negative zone. So like Stark and Richards and uh, Scroll Pym sent him off to the Gulag or whatever. So, but interesting. Hey, hey you, quit helping people. Yeah. Uh, it's like I I like this story and like I have read the other two parts, but it does like you know once you like kind of read a lot of Demetrius stories in a row, they all kind of have the same like theme i guess where it's like you know this like all like i feel like all his villains sometimes are some variation on two-face like Mm. everyone has like a dual like duality and like some kind of like other side that's like taking over like whether it be harry and the green goblin or vermin or like or puma basically and like he kind of like retreads that a lot so like and and a lot of these stories end up with the bad guy yeah like quote unquote dying so like you know sometimes you notice like common themes and but but you know I generally like if it, if it wasn't Demetrius writing it it could have come off as like really bad but thankfully he's like a very skilled writer and like writes very believable dialogue and has very good like character development so it doesn't call that but you know one once you've read a lot of his stuff you notice like commonalities like i think people joke that like basically like when he came on to spider-man he had a whole like drawer of batman stories he wanted to tell and he just kind of plugged spider-man to them basically justin <laughs> when you bought this like what what i know you said like this was the front cover that you saw but was part of that appeal because i know when you were trying to figure out what issue this was that you wanted to bring like one of the elements you keyed in on was you're like it's puma and spider-man's in his black costume like was that a was that a selling point for you and did you feel like reading this where you know it's basically just a vision that puma fights like were you 
was that kind of like a letdown? Like, do you feel like you weren't, you were sold a bill of goods that wasn't quite true? Or did you still kind of enjoy this, like, and, and that kind of notion didn't really occur to you when you read it? I enjoyed it, but I was a little let down that the black costume only showed up, like, in, you know, trickery or, you know, a right, fake, right. Like, like, Mystic Crow vision thingy. Cause like it's I was like, <laughs> yeah, I I was like, I guess I was expecting like Peter to like put on the black co- some costume okay. for, for reals for reasons. Yeah, I got, that's what I was expecting. So I was just like, oh man, like it was you know trickery. It's weird though, because like they, they, it's it's like I get why he's in the black costume for Puma, because when Puma first fought Spider Man, he was actually in like the symbiote, the alien costume. Like when Puma first showed up, so it kind of makes sense that Puma would see him as that because that was the first time he fought with with spider-man in the first yeah, place like, you you wouldn't know it. you wouldn't know it but puma is the one who like very is the very first person to point out that that costume was organic right. and like a living being yeah and like his webs were like organic then and then i guess the, yeah. the thing that i was going to bring up too is do you guys uh, i mean i'm i'm sure you guys do but but do you remember when McFarlane did the adjectiveless Spider-Man and he really did bring back the black costume for a couple issues like and yeah. like i how yeah. did you feel like cuz I, I i remember thinking oh that's neat i love the black costume but then when i actually read the quote unquote story like i was kind of like hey, this this wasn't worth bringing that cool costume back like this to me it felt like it was worse of a gimmick than this. Like, at least this, like, I don't know, it's weird. Like, at least this, you see the black costume on the cover, and then when you look on the inside, you read the context of the story, and you go, oh, I see. Like, the cover tried to trick me, but it didn't really lie to me. Like, this does actually take place within yeah. a comic. It's just within sort of a Jin Quest thing that Puma has, which makes sense, given that that's how he first met Spider-Man. Whereas, I, I don't know, that like that, I think it's like, what, issue 14 or 15, where he's like fighting Morbius in the adjectiveless book, and the 13 when it started. I, I can't remember anymore. But, you know, anyway, one of those issues, right? And, like, it was like, oh, look, it's just like the cover of Spider-Man number one, but he's in his black costume, you know, and it was like, cool! Yeah. But, like, now, like, like, I mean, even when I read that story, I think for the first time I was okay. like, so he has like a little argument with Mary Jane and it never made sense to me why he was wearing it. Cause it was like, I got to go into the sewers MJ and I need to be like stealthy. And it's like, well, why, why has that never come up before now? Like, like what you were never not stealthy in the red and blue costume or like, I, I don't know. Like it just seemed like a dumb, you know, some dumb excuse to get into the costume. Meanwhile, like, Mary Jane probably had like psychological trauma because of the guy yeah. costume because I don't know Venom diddled her or yeah. whatever the hell he did in that issue, yeah. right? Like, and you're just like, you know, dude, like, I, I don't know, it, it, it just with the amount of seriousness that MJ had when Venom first showed up, like that she was like hung a corner crying like she was abused, like I was just kind of like, I don't know, to me that seemed like way too heavy to be like, but honey. I need to be stealthy, you know? And I was always like, that's such a, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, 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 Eddie Brock is scary, but all he did was pretty much be like, hey, is Peter here? I'll see him later, you know? Oh, it's creepy, yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, really? No, know? but I don't, I don't, I, to me, that was all off camera, so I had no, you know, it's like, it's like your imagination is always worse than what, what they actually show you, yeah. right? So for me, I, I kind of took, 
her reaction, her emotional reaction is, I've never seen Mary Jane, like, cry and be all scaredy cat. Most of the time she's like, hey, Tiger, let's party. Like, she'd dance with anything with a pulse. Like, I mean, Mary Jane's not, like, scared of anybody, right? Like, but then, like, you know, anyway, I, I, it was just random thought I had because of the black costume tie-in. And I know, I know Justin probably had the thought that this was going to be a legitimate return to the black costume. And since this was more of a flashback, I thought it might be interesting to point out, you know, a story where it really did come back. And, you know, like, I don't know, like, or it's kind of like, what was that other thing? Like right after civil war where they did the back in black, like I'll seem to point to that as some, some fantastic Spider-Man storyline, which I, I don't know that I really agree with, but you know, it's like, he's in the back costume and he beats the shit out of Kingpin in prison. It's so awesome. But I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't really get it. Like, I, I don't think that's up. I, I, I don't like, like, and then they, they treated it like it was the first time he ever brought back. Right. Which was, was also not true. Right? But yeah. 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 I, I, I don't like the connotation, and I, I think this is kind of a Marvel in-house thing, because when they, when they did the black costume and stuff, it was supposed to be a big change, and, like, I legitimately think they were wanting this to be Pete's costume for a very long time, and, like, they, they were wanting it to be, like, this is Spider-Man now, and I like the black costume. I, I, I bought the Marvel Legend. I, I like the look of it. it. It's like, you know, it does have a creepy vibe to it because he's all in black and he's got the white emblem and stuff. But, you know, I'm also one of those people that, you know, has that mindset that, you know, a good guy can't dress in black. Sorry. I mean, it's not a, you know, <laughs> it's not as not as simple as uh, white hats, black, hat, black hats. But, like, in recent years, especially, like, with stuff like Back in Black, you know, they, they put a lot of negative connotations on the black suit. Like whenever he wears it, he's a bad person. He he he's he's going to a dark place. And I'm like, you know, like at least like you know, I mean, at least in the McFarlane, you know, story, at least it could be like, you know, hey, he's going out at night. Maybe he should wear something darker, you know? It, it, it's functional, you know. <laughs> it's like he should have been like, Honey, honey, you don't understand. Marketing says that the sales will go up if I wear this suit. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I I don't know. I have a fondness. Well, because the black suit, I've always associated with Web of Spider-Man because he wore it a lot in Web of Spider-Man, the early run of that book. And I read a lot of Web of Spider-Man. And I don't know. I just I, I always like that costume. But to, to the story Justin picked out, just to throw in my two cents, I will kind of be secret brothers with Derek a little bit because I, I think Puma gets a lot of uh, the short of the stick because he was he was a really interesting character. He was a, a a good foil for Spidey. He he had that kind of old school vibe, despite the fact he wasn't made in the '60s. And yeah, I, I've I've always been like really fond of Fireheart's you know duality as well. I mean, I know you said it was kind of cliched sometimes, Mike, but I mean, I, I didn't I didn't mind it as much. I, I actually didn't see the two two face connotation, but I, I can see it now. And I also like, you know, Derek's point that, you know, he eventually became an ally of Spider-Man. And th that is kind of like, like one thing I've always kind of liked about Spider-Man when they do it right. I've always liked his kind of Goku ability to get people who are evil to become good or, or like win them to, to his side. Like, I've always liked Sandman as like Spider-Man's buddy who realized the error of his ways. I was like, Sandman is a good guy. And that's, that's, you know, gone and gone forever now. And this story, like, is, like, Derek was talking about, like, with, like, you know, older issues, really, like, you know, this was really dense. 
because there's a lot of like the the yellow pant like yellow uh thought bubbles talking about like you know from the uh the black crow point of view of like you know how the puma is reacting to his like you know state of being and also how peter's reacting to how things are going for him and, and it's a big read really i mean this this is not like as derek said this is not a five second comic you have to read all those like you know parts of prose to really get the story it's a really fulfilling read too because it, it's very mystical i mean you know it does get that that atmosphere across i th- think very well it's like you know the black crow thing is kind of weird kind of you know super spoopy and stuff but it doesn't come off like hokey it doesn't come off lame you know one of my favorite scenes is where because puma is a rather mystical type of individual that's where his powers come from like you know he grabs the crow and he's like you know like question bird and like when i first read this i never read this before and i wasn't really familiar with the black crow and i'm like he's strangling like a bird but then it's like oh no it's a dude okay <laughs> i got it i got it it's like the red eyes and stuff okay okay i'm i'm, I'm on track with what you're selling here I, I smell what you're stepping in and also yeah it doesn't handhold you but it tells the story linearly and like you if you read it you'll see what's going on and and yeah i also appreciate that too i, I like when a story trusts you to have half a brain and you know you can figure out what's going on so yeah yeah this was this was I don't know if it's like like something I would read again, but like the 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 Puma Spidey conflict has always been like something I think modern comics with like you know the bestial Puma kind of kind of shits on. It's like no man, Puma's cool. Like I want a Marvel Legend of Puma. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna ask for an entire wave. You know, we can have Red Wolf and Puma and Black Crow and all those guys. And you gotta be able to make the the outlaws like. Puma, Prowler, Rocket Racer, and who else? Uh, Will of the Wisp. We can. We can. We, 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 <laughs> we can, mentioned Will we of the Wisp. Well, Sandman was part of that, wasn't he? At some point. Or the, oh yeah, know. yeah, him too. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 bad guy Spidey villains who who turned good. Yeah, yeah. Back back when it was unthinkable for Spider-Man to be part of a team. <laughs> well, a part of like an Avengers X-Men team. <laughs> like I like oh, I, I I love like Demetrius's writing and I love Usama's art and this is probably one of my favorite runs mm. of Spider-Man and like th- this is pretty good like I, I don't know if it's like it's probably not a standout story to me like among all his other good stuff like, I mean I I enjoyed this Yeah cool agreed yeah Director Fury, the internet is besieged with lame, lifeless podcasts. What we need is a hard-charging, foul-mouthed band of brothers with chemistry, big brains on comics, and personality. Personality goes a long way. What we need is the Marvel Superheroes Podcast. I'm a legal machine. Diablo Frank. And I am Mr. Fixit. The Marvel Superheroes have arrived! Nick, internet radio is saved! Get this motherfucking podcast off motherfucking iTunes. The Marvel Superheroes podcast can also be found on Shout Engine, Stitcher, the Internet Archive, and on Rolled Spine Podcasts blogs. All right. Well, then how about you tell us, Mike, what comic book you brought for this evening to, to essentially close out the episode and, you know, we'll, we'll discuss it. I brought Amazing Spider-Man number 413. It's got a cover date of July... 1996 
It's written by Tom DeFalco, pencils by Mark Bagley, uh, inked by Larry Mons- Malstead, colors by Bob Sharon, and letters by Richard Starkings. It's titled Bug Story. I kind of took the summary from the Marvel Wikipedia and cleaned it up a lot and added in some details. I, that I did the same, so, even though I yeah, didn't I mention it. I, I, I took mine from the Marvel Wiki and turned <laughs> it into English, motherfucker. Do you speak it? Yeah, yeah exactly. I converted <laughs> it into English, yes. But anyway, Ben Riley, Spider-Man, awakens in a bug jar in the room of a giant kid. He escapes there, only to be attacked by various toys from all over the room. Meanwhile, Ben Riley's employer, Shirley Washington, receives a visit from her ex-husband, Garen, much to her suspicion and her son Devon's delight. At the Daily Bugle, where Peter Parker has taken a staff position, he touches base with Jonah Jameson and meets Ben Urich's nephew, Phil, just before a massive unexplained headache hits him. Back with Spidey, he begins fighting his way through the toy room, wrecking several of them. Overseeing this scenario are supervillains Mysterio and Armada, who we learn via flashback pooled their skills to escape prison recently. Armada is taken aback by his robot friends being slaughtered by Spider-Man, while Mysterio is more interested in tormenting Wallcrawler further. Spidey sees a particular robot drone zipping out of a destroyed action figure, and recognizing it as one of Armada's, destroys it. An enraged Armada exits the control room he and Mysterio had been hiding in and attacks Spider-Man. Realizing he has not been shrunk, but is in fact on a giant manufactured set, Spidey hitches a ride on the flying armada's back and stares him up towards the control center. Mysterio attempts to hide out of mist, but Spidey manages to nail him, revealing him as a robotic decoy. Not knowing if the real Mysterio was ever here, Spidey leaves Armada webbed up and exits the scene. Meanwhile, as Peter and Mary Jane are continuing their move into Aunt May's old house, Peter has another headache jolt that makes him think something is seriously wrong with him. So yeah, this is about where the Clone Saga was starting to wind up. Like, I think they'd only lasted for another, like, four or five months after this. Yeah, like, I I, I bought, this was a period where I was, like, alternately buying, like, Spider-Man comics from either my local comic store or the grocery. Like, whenever I'd go to the, like, market with my parents and I, I got this issue, yeah, at a grocery store. It's, you know, it's obviously, it's Ben Riley as Spider-Man and... You know, it's kind of it's kind of a done in one tale, but it's got you know obviously the ongoing plot lines of the Clone Saga in the background. But I almost kind of feel like this is what they wanted to get back to uh, these like sort of done in one like quote unquote classic Spider Man tales. But you know the the goings on behind the scenes prevent this from being like exactly that. You know, with obviously the Peter has recurring headaches plot line is a precursor to him getting his powers back. Cause at this point he had lost them. Ben was Spider-Man. And, you know, also there's Tom DeFalco introduces the plot of like Shirley's ex-husband who I think it, it, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it, it, the plot like goes into next issue and then like Ben's dead in like another few months. So I don't think it like ever goes in. That's the last we'll ever um, see of the Daily Grind. Good riddance, Daily Grind. Good riddance. (laughs) 
Yeah, but and then you've got like Mysterio, obviously, who's a classic Spider-Man villain, and he's teamed up with Armada, who was like one of Ben's new villains. And like Armada is basically like yet another like Spider-Man has a ton of bad guys who just make robots and stuff like, you know, the Smites, like Robot Master, the Tinkerer, you know, whoever else. But Armada's like whole like spin on it was that he thought all the robots were like a lot and his friends and he was like nuts like like that so i mean i I guess that's a like unique hook for that kind of villain but like i think this is armada's like final appearance like historically like i don't think he ever showed up again after this so but and also like you know he had that cruddy tv so you know (laughs) Uh, i was gonna say like if you're not gonna do this joke i am mysterio (laughs) and his armada (laughs) yes no, I was gonna. I was gonna do like Armada sounds like Fred from Transformers Armada, where he's like Misty, 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 Misty. You know misty, this misty. this version of Misty. I can't help but think because like to me this like triggers like I'm like I'm triggered, guys. I'm uh, I'm triggered by Smith's Joe Quesada's like Daredevil run where they you know kill off Karen Page or whatever because it's like it's like. Mysterio was behind it, but then the reason why he he hated Daredevil was because this version of Mysterio, like this outfit for Mysterio, was in like one issue of the Carl Kiesel run of Daredevil, and it's like because that one time he stubbed his toe, he's like he decided, so I will like enact my vengeance on Daredevil, you know. So it's like that's what. That's what this issue made me think of, but I can totally see why this is like, this is, I, I, I can see why this is a Mike issue. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like, we've got Ben Wright. We've got like, like even look at like all the toys in the background and stuff. I mean, dude, there's like gargoyles. It's like Goliath is one of the toys that attacks him. So, yeah, I, so like, I was like, I was, gonna I was like, like you know, oh, I can totally see why like Mike digs this and stuff, but it's like, it's like some of the stuff is easy for me to pick out, but some of it I'm like, oh, fuck that's supposed to be like, I mean, I don't know. Do you guys want to talk about that all? I, I was going to ask you guys like how many toys you could like identify or what stood out to you like uh, a lot <laughs> i think the other thing that you that spider-man should have immediately spotted why this was like a fake environment is because no real kid in the 616 marvel universe would have action figures of wolverine and the juggernaut like mutants like but like it's like what <laughs> it's like i don't know that they're just not popular like that that's 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 sort of a flaw. I don't know. I I'll go if you want. We I mean I'll, I'll tell you what I see, but you guys can probably fill in what I'm missing. But like on the cover, uh, yeah, there's a Sentinel right from X-Men. There's essentially Stretch Armstrong, who kind of looks like Jimmy Olsen as Elastic Lad. There's clearly like Godzilla and Luke Skywalker. There's like Woody from Toy Story. There's what is supposed to be Gumby within gloves, I guess. And then there's the alien. There's like Leonardo from Ninja Turtles, but I I kind of don't know what some of these other guys are. Is that like Jiminy Cricket? Like what kind of toy is that supposed to be in the middle? Uh, all right, hold on, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah, I know. Tony, Tony has arrived. Yeah, um, like let's I, I see. Uh... Call up the cover and look to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have to look at the panel again. It's issue uh, four. Uh, four thirteen. Uh, four thirteen. Just look at. We're just gonna cover right now, but yeah. I think the dinosaur is like. Titanus from Power Rangers. Ah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I, and could, then, I, could, I could see that, yeah. And then the stretchy guy, like, 
like that stretch Armstrong. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah stretch Armstrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. Where's the cover at? Oh, I wanted. <laughs> I'm like the cover is at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it gave me the wrong issue when I was looking it up. I know, like, like later on in the issue, you can see like a street dark. Yeah, and yeah. Is, and, did anyone uh, recognize like yeah. that that plane with the monster face inside? Because I remember those. Like that was like a Hot Wheels like line. Oh, uh, that was a vehicle, that was a tack but, pack. Yeah, that's right. I, yep. I think my favorite is like the one. There's one with like Godzilla's tail, and you see like oh, Pinky and the brain. brain and the Flash. <laughs> I, while Tony's looking, I will give you a bit of trivia about this issue uh, that uh, you can find out by reading the Riley, which was a blog I've mentioned before on this podcast, like a blog series about the makings of the clone saga. Marvel almost got sued for this issue because mm. uh, Toho saw that oh. Godzilla and they were like, oh, no way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I can buy that with Toho, were like, right? Like they were yeah. probably like, fuck like, this. They, they, so like, the agreement they came to is that anytime this issue is reprinted, they have to redraw that Godzilla, basically. And I think, like, when it was reprinted as Ben Riley Epic Collections, it's like a totally, like, generic dinosaur. Like T-Rex. Yeah, instead of Godzilla, yep. You're infringing on our copyright! <laughs> yeah. Even though, like, it's been around for years. <laughs> to, to, I'm surprised to, no, no one else... Toho's like, Godzilla Janai! <laughs> <laughs> what's that what's that monkey supposed to be or the gorilla or whatever there, I did there's, for that, a second. there's that one panel where like Ben knocks the head off the Wolverine and that ground is like a, a power ranger oh totally. yeah 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 yeah. it's Billy Billy it's like, what is it All like right, yeah, go, goofy as a there's pink in the brain Viking. oh my god there's a flash action figure wow that's cool yeah I was like DC Comics should sue sue I, I mean the one guy looks like Kong Gorilla but I know that's not what it's supposed to be so there were toys with planes that had eyeballs in them. Yeah, like, um, like Tony said, I think they were Hot Wheels. Were they Hot Wheels or Matchbox? I mean, like I don't remember. I think they were Hot just, Wheels. Yeah, I just Attack know, Attack, like, yeah. yeah, my cousins had some of those, so like I recognize hmm. that. Yeah, they they basically they're basically cars, and you like they have like a little tail. <laughs> you push down. Oh, they had teeth. They're Hi. monsters. I wonder, I wonder if the, yeah, I wonder if that T Rex is supposed to be like a Jurassic Park yeah, toy maybe. or something. I, I just noticed the the that was around the, that the faux Buzz Lightyear in the one panel where like Stretch Armstrong is like holding Ben Riley and Buzz Lightyear knockoff is punching Spider Man in the face. Like his little name card says Fuzz. <laughs> I just noticed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buzz, Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that is that like yeah. is the lion like the Lion King maybe or something? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh there there's a there's a Tie Fighter in there. A tie Fighter. Oh, and I guess that's the, the Batwing, bat right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I've got an ex I've got an explanation for the Wolverine. Okay, Derek. The, they made a toy line, but the Sentinels are the good guys, and the X Men are the bad, bad guys. Super no pride. Quite the filthy mutants. What is Juggernaut? Is Juggernaut commercial? Is Juggernaut like thing. Zartan? He's that third party that like fucks with the good guys and the bad guys. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, now I totally don't understand why there's a goofy Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, I don't know though. what that is, except for that it's goofy. I want to say maybe the uh, Sasquatch is from Big Jim, maybe. 
That was a toy line in the late seventies that had a Sasquatch action figure. Who's who's like what's what's supposed to be on the cover, Tony? Like what's that Jiminy Cricket looking thing on the cover? Jiminy Cricket is that something else? That wormy thing on the front cover? Yeah, that's Uh, yeah. I'm like not really sure. Which one? The the, uh, the middle image of the main cover. It's coming out of the A and Toy Wars. Cricket hockey. I, I would say that was probably made up. Uh, I, that doesn't. Only thing I can maybe think of is like some super, like, realized version of like. Remember those like snake toys you used to get when you were a kid? Like you hold the tail, segmented, and it go back and forth. I don't know. That's like yeah. <laughs> look at look at friggin' Woody's expression on that cover. He's like, <laughs> we're gonna rip him. Like. <laughs> Yeah, Ar- Armada makes crappy toys. Oh yeah, that's true in real life too. Yeah, I-, I I think a lot of these were callbacks and like totally like yeah like like Buzz Lightyear and stuff like that. But I, I think some of them were like you know possibly even like, like you know like oh this is a toy from the fifties. I remember. <laughs> it was just like you know something. Okay, well does any- anyone have anything to say about the issue itself aside? Yeah, from the I, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. I I was uh, reading Spider Man this time. Like I was, uh, you know heavily into the clone saga and i got this from my comic shop that was like in the mall and i think i've mentioned this before but like this comic shop was only in the mall for like two or three years but i bought like majority of the clone wars from that uh, comic shop you fought in the clone wars yes i was once a jedi knight the same as your father but yeah kind of like Mike, I, I have a, you know I have a fondness for this era, and you know it's Mark Bagley doing the art, so you know I'm a fan of his, so I, I you know I definitely like this issue. I haven't read this in a long time, so like when Mike was like, yeah, this is my choice, and I saw the cover, I was like, oh, I don't remember this, but then like when I started reading it, I was like, oh yeah, I do remember this, like the Godzilla thing, and then like you know all these other like toys, and then there's some limo that like I never ever see again, and then you got like you know Mr. Mysterio's like nice extreme uh, makeover that I don't think we see again, but yeah, like I uh, I enjoyed reading this again. It had been like you know 25 years or something, but it was fun. This this is in fact the first time Peter Parker meets Phil Urich too. Like in yeah, I was wondering if that was part of the whole. As I said, this was like a super Mike issue. I was like, oh, and and Phil Urich makes an appearance. Yeah, and he was. I don't think he was. Oh. I think he was his series was just winding up at this point because like onslaught hasn't happened yet so like he hasn't lost his suit but yeah and like i i like like it's weird like in current day they they give phil your black hair but he's like he he debuted with like brown hair and in this issue it's almost mm. like blondish but he's he's trying to keep up with the times man well, it's funny um, it's like he he's aged but peter like hasn't like or peter's been <laughs> de age like in this issue peter's in his like probably late 20s and phil's like 16 but like you know fast forward to dan slot's run and it's like they're both in their 20s like uh, well, let's see how shall i put this this was not a bad issue i i got really distracted by like the the yellow balloons the word balloons because i'm not a fan of the handwriting lettering it's like almost kind of hard to read in a way i understand it's supposed to be more expressive instead of like you know a basic type font that was kind of distracting for me 
I've never read a lot of Barry, and he doesn't come off bad in this. He he, he does some Spider-Man stuff that, like, you know, like you think Peter would do, and, and that's totally fine. That's totally cool. Armada is kind of lame, but he, he's no lamer than a lot of Eric Larson 90 villains, so, I mean, I I'm, I'm can't throw shade on him. And like you said, Mike, well, you said he doesn't show up again, as far as you know, so there you go. Well, he's, he's so lame that Mysterio has to use, like, a Mysterio bot to, like, team up with him, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I like Mysterio. Uh, I've always had a, a soft spot for Mysterio. Still haven't got the damn figure. I like Mysterio for his, his creepiness and his, his whole illusion thing. I, I thought it was kind of funny that Ben Riley thought he knocked his head off. I mean, not his globe off, but he thought, thought he killed him. And I was like, but he didn't seem that concerned. He was like, oh, man, hit him so hard, I knocked his head off. Well, oh, it's just a robot. Okay, cool. I'm not a murderer. Awesome. This is a very 90s comic. It's not bad. It's, it's, it's not something that, like, you know, like, offends me and stuff like that. But I, I, will, I will definitely say that I would probably forget it pretty quickly. But that's just the time frame, you know? Like, I'm sure Mike will probably forget the Tiger up, you know, issue pretty quickly, you know? Because that's not his time frame. It's just one of those things, you know, that certain certain storylines we read when we're totally into comics uh people probably forget graviton and, and that's just even though he read it yeah it's just it's just a time frame you're reading spider-man no hatred towards this issue just uh you know like it, it didn't really grab me i don't know it just didn't enthrall me just you know i'll be that guy this week i'll be the guy who didn't like an issue <laughs> i i feel like john byrne would be offended by peter parker's belly shirt because he thinks that peter parker should buy a real shirt like he said about Jay Lee in that one interview I went to go see, or whatever. But I, um, it, you know, I mean, I, I, this this issue was fine. I'm pretty sure I was still buying like Spider-Man comics like around the time this came out. Like, I mean, I, I was this might have been, or yeah, it was probably like around the point where I was because it's like I sort of, I sort of, you know, not. Sw- it's like I didn't swear off comics, but it was like I was I was going to Loyola and I was trying to be quote unquote good because I was like, where am I going to put all this stuff? You know, if I keep buying it, you know. But I think eventually, like, I broke down and went to like newsstands and eventually started finding all the comic shops in the area and stuff like that. And I mean, this as it you know pains me to admit, I don't think like the clone saga had quite broken me at this point. Like I was still following Spider-Man at this point, but I think, uh, you know, I, I think somewhere around, you know, like chapter one and all that stuff is kind of when I lost it. But, um, but yeah. you know, the, I don't know. This, this is obviously like, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't mean to agree with Tony, but this is, this is definitely like not my era of Spider-Man. Like to me, this is an era of Spider-Man where I think he's, kind of horribly broken or whatever like i i mean and that's probably why they were going with ben riley because you know to me it's like oh who's spider-man in this it's the guy who has no powers that has headaches every five minutes in a fucking c plot or whatever you know like where it's like oh okay you know but you know (laughs) like as far as the 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 story itself and and you know ben riley you know fighting godzilla and all this other stuff that's gonna get them sued you know like that's kind of cool like that that's you know cool visual mark bagley's a great artist the art is great Um, yeah you know the storytelling is pretty clear um i am you know you know i I, I have no qualms with Tom DeFalco's writing. I mean, this is kind of like that fun kind of jovial storytelling that 
I think a lot of people keyed in on when they started doing that MC universe. Like, it wasn't so heavy. It wasn't so grim and gritty. It was almost like, you know, the antithesis to the, the grim and gritty, you know, era of comics where they were just trying to tell fun, you know, Marvel stories. And I think this story definitely like falls into that category you know it's it's a you, and, and it's a twist on things i mean you you think it's like what's that episode of transformers where they they all uh, get played with by the child's play oh, child's like like you play. think it's that episode of transformers child's play but then you know, of course it turns out it's this big giant illusion by mysterio and armada right so well, that's it, it's kind of a cool twist like with 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 that in mind, like that probably means that Mysterio and Armada like got a sentinel and like reskinned him as like a five year old kid or something, like just to pick up in the Spidey and like in that jar or whatever. So I was always kinda like, Why didn't they bring out the giant kid robot again? Like when the things are going south, like like unless it was a giant illusion, maybe there were just two giant like robot yeah. arms and like the rest of it was like a Mysterio illusion or something. Yeah, but yeah, like I, I agree with what you said. Like, and like I said, it, it like if they wanted, they desperately wanted to get back to basics in in this period. But like at the same time, like you know, there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, and they were kind of like, well, we have to make Peter Parker Spider Man again. So that's where that headache storyline is leading. And what you're supposed to think—he's he's the clone, that, and he's like, gonna like you, degenerate or something. The, yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to think this is the beginning of the end for Peter Parker, and it's going to leave Ben Riley as the only like Spider-Man like in the book. But like as it turns out, like you know, all the headaches and eventually his like deteriorating health is just like rebooting his body to recover his like spider powers and stuff. So yeah, and then you know, obviously they pull a switcheroo. But like I always thought, like I was always kind of sad they couldn't like. I don't know, like, and I know this was discussed, but, like, they ultimately decided against it, like, maybe, like, merge mm. Ben, ben Riley and Peter Parker like, into a single he, character yeah, or something a, somehow, like, Superman. Do, do a fusion or something? Yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, and then, like, I, like there, there could have been a way to do it with, you know, and not, you know, I, I guess, like, you know, people, like, I can see why it was a problem. Um, like at the time but like also like you know respect it's like i like ben riley so he, you know he, he they could have like and they would never have had to had the like you know thought in their heads of bringing him back from the dead or whatever like you know 20 years later because they just be like well peter and ben merged into one guy and that guy is spider now so but i guess you know maybe that would have been too metaphysical for spider-man or you know probably the, I don't know you know once you read that like Life of Riley it's like the 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 insane like plans they had to like end the clone saga and like some of it is kind of like one of the ideas they had for the longest time was that like uh, I think it was like Scryer was Mephisto in disguise and like Traver playing playing like this like cosmic game and like it turned like they it eventually ends up with. But yeah, like Ben and Peter merging into a single being. But the reason they rejected it is because everyone was like, yeah, but Mephisto's a Spider-Man villain. <laughs> like, we can't use Mephisto in a Spider-Man story. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah that worked out well. times yeah. have changed. Well, you yeah. know, Sp Spider-Man well, could well, have well, never well, been an Avenger like... either back then, right? So. Yeah. Yep. 
Well, my thing is, why couldn't we have two Spider-Men? Because we've had multiple Caps, we've had multiple Iron Men. I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, well, like it's it's funny because like it was a problem back then, but I mean, look at today. Like, how many Spider-Man like <laughs> characters are out there now? Like, you know. Like, yeah. And we got Kenny, we got Spider Girl, Spider Woman, yeah, yeah. yeah, like Miles Spider Man, Noir, Noir, Noir. Oh well, you know, you did good time. I mean, like they even like like they even threw like they even they even like threw like twenty ninety nine in the present day for a little bit. I mean, come on, you know, it's like the hell, man. It's like. And and and, and it makes me sad because I I know that Justin is actually a big fan of Ben Riley and it's like yeah I know yeah, I, I know, know dude Box, like that kind of hurt his feelings just, like, tell me what's all. up tell me I'm I'm wrong for being a haters you and Tony are old. yeah keep going <laughs> okay uh, okay it's all I got. <laughs> Here, like no you guys are old chumps. Another time, it's like, it's like the daily grind is hip, man. No, man, you don't know how cool a coffee stand is. <laughs> so you've had the daily grind. I'm drinking. That guy who's always sitting at the counter. counter. That guy who's always sitting at the counter at the daily grind. His name is Buzz. Maybe that's why Fuzz. the toy was named Fuzz. So they would be confused. Yeah. On a copyright print your own stuff. Dude, should yeah. I should I frost my tips like Ben Riley? Would that make me not old and uh, grumpy or whatever? It'd make you cool. <laughs> okay, go work yeah. at a coffee shop. I'll, I'll get working head. on that. I'll uh, I'll get started on that eventually. I'll frost my Chrome Dome. That'll that'll be cool. All the ladies will love it. You <laughs> <laughs> glaze your Chrome cool. Dome. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, I'm a donut. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I guess, I, I mean, unless anybody has any final thoughts on Amazing Spider-Man 413. Anyone? Anyone? Going, going, cross the tips, daily grind? It was fine. All right. So, yeah, I guess that wraps things up. So if anybody has any comments, questions, and or concerns, if you want us to frost our tips, you can email us at fansmarkast at gmail.com. You can check out all the backlog of our episodes where we get coffee from the Daily Grind at fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. If you are terribly frightened of scary werecat women when you're five, you can be backlog of our episodes at fanholspodcast.blogspot.com and we can be accessed on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, we can be streamed there. We are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc, etc. We appreciate all the likes and feedbacks and shares and retweets and all that good stuff and follows and all that kind of good stuff. And I think that's it, right? Like, we've got a bunch of other shows. Check those out, too. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, web swinging off, drinking my coffee from the Daily Grind and frosting tips. I'm out. Hey, it's Mike, and we got to stop saying frosting our tips. People are going to get the wrong idea. <laughs> my hair! My hair! Welcome, Web Snappers. This is Ben Riley signing. Uh, this is Tony. I want to go uh, get my finished cured large soap and wash my overalls on the washboard because I'm all
like like that was another thing like i forgot to get to like the 2099 suit he said something else that like made me almost like shut off the video where he was like <laughs> this is kind of like spider-man in the future and it was all oh, like he couldn't even remember like Miguel O'Hara's name. He was like, he's like some other guy named Michael something or whatever. Like, <laughs> ah, yes, Michael something. What, what are you talking about? There's, there's like this game informer, like official video that they released on YouTube where they identify like all the alternate costumes in that new like Spider Man video game. And like the guy that got to do it doesn't know anything about like any of them. And I was getting like so mad about it. So like I made a like snarky comment in the youtube like video and now that comment's the highest rated one at the top at like <laughs> 233 likes uh, tell, him, tell, tell justin what you said in that comment though I, I just said like like oh all the suits identified by someone who maybe saw the movies and maybe read a wikipedia article once or something <laughs> of course when he when he when he got to the movie ones he was like oh this is in spider-man homecoming like this, this is an infinity war like this is a noir suit. It's sort of edgy. He has a gun. <laughs> no, no, Mike was talking about. New, like, he's like new war. He's about, it was like when Peter went into the past. <laughs> Peter Parker <laughs> went into the past <laughs> in the noir universe, and he like saw too many Humphrey Bogart <laughs> movies and John Woo movies and became Spider-Man noir. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Superior Spider-Man. This is when he moved to like. Superior for a couple of weeks. <laughs> he joined the, the, the Great Lakes Avengers. Great Lakes Avengers. 